Too often people talk about the thumbnail and the video retention and, and the video idea. He said, but the one thing that actually really matters is not the packaging, but the product that's inside, AKA the content. Anything you can do to make yourself more engaging and personable and real and personality and authentic will only benefit. So most of the time I recommend people work on, on that first because it's a common denominator. It's gonna play through all the other stuff. I watched a video of someone who was pointing out that he thought the direction of YouTube was potentially, if, if not going away from this Mr. Beastification style, it, but there was an upsurgence of more raw, authentic, OG or original YouTube content. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 183 of the Creator Smarts podcast. You just heard me talk to the one and only Nate Black and Nate is one of YouTube's leading experts on YouTube, on how to do YouTube. Yes, he's one of those guys that teaches you how to go viral or how to build a big YouTube channel. Now, you, uh, you I mean, Nate used to be the face of the uh, Channel Makers YouTube channel, but he recently made a move and he started his own channel only a few months ago. And uh, yeah, the number of views that he's getting on his new channel is pretty crazy considering that it's new and he doesn't have that many subscribers yet. Although he already reached like 30,000 30, subscribers in just a few months. And uh, yeah, as I said, number of views on new videos is very high. Nate knows his thing. Um, he's a friend we've met a few times. He's also part of our inner circle. And um, some of you reached out to me and said that you discovered this interview or this podcast through the interview that I did with Nate last time. So I thought, why not cut him? Why not get him back on the show? And um in this episode, we're not just going to talk about, you know, how to create a better thumbnail, how to create better videos, uh, storytelling, the things that you usually hear about. But we're really going to talk about the things that the pros don't tell you about what it takes to go viral on YouTube. Because guess what? Guess what? Yes, you need a good video idea. You need, you need a good title and thumbnail, but there is something else. Um, we're also going to talk about some of the things that are new on YouTube, how YouTube, how the YouTube game game has changed over the last year. Um, Nate is also going to tell us how he monetizes his audience. Um, this and much more in this interview. I hope you're going to enjoy it. This is the Create the Smarts podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. Hey Nate, welcome back to the Creators Fast Podcast. This is the second time that we are having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm glad to be back, Jan. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> so Nate, we have, um, we've had the opportunity to meet in person a few times now. And um, last time I saw you was only a few weeks ago at uh, a Vid Summit in Dallas. And I noticed that there were a lot of people who recognize you there. So why not... Why not start at the beginning? How did you, <laughs> I was going to say, how did you become so famous at Vet Summit? But no, the, the, real, <laughs> the real question is, how do you get into YouTube? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, a little background on that Vet Summit thing. I, I was telling people there, if you ever have issues with networking, like you have a hard time networking at events and stuff, I, I, I know the secret hack. Step one create a YouTube channel, <laughs> do something for an audience. And then step two, go to events where your audience is, and then you never have to approach anybody. 
Yeah. Uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, and it was, it was, uh, I felt very uh, grateful the amount of people that did come up to me and say, Hey, I watch your stuff or thank you so much or all that stuff. It was, it was really cool. And, and it was actually true. I didn't have to initiate almost any conversations there, which was pretty cool. Must be fun. I mean, everybody who goes there kind of does their own thing, right? Like one person has a fitness channel and then we have like somebody doing, uh, I don't know, challenges. And then there is some marketing agencies and it's a mix of everybody. But the one thing that everybody's interested in is how to make better YouTube videos, right? And that's the kind of content that you create. So you're, you're standing there in the spotlight <laughs> the entire time. But how did it all get started? Because the, this is the second interview with you. I don't remember that we talked about that um, mm -hmm. when you came on the show the first time a, a year or two years ago. How do you get into YouTube? Yeah, so I was actually, so the the one side is I was approached, uh, well, I actually reached out to a company. I was working with a company uh, to help build out their YouTube education space. Um, but I think the layer underneath that, or the, I guess the bigger picture for me was that I've known for a while that I, you know, you talk about those things that light you up, that make you feel excited to be alive, you know, yeah. those types of things. And for me, I kept seeing this pattern of, if I could help someone that I, if I saw someone that was passionate about something or that they loved doing, or, or maybe they liked doing it, but they said, ah, but I could never make money with that. Eh, it's just a side hobby, something like that. And if I saw someone like that, it was almost like I could see an entire um, set of steps, like a whole journey for how that person could take what they were doing and share it with the world, basically share it with an audience, build an audience and, um, make money with it, make it into something that they were really, that they were proud of and mm -hmm. was sustainable because it was a business. It, it could make money. Right. Yeah. And so I think YouTube was a representation of that for me. It's by no means the only way to do that journey with people, but there's just something about seeing someone who has something amazing and helping them build an audience and mm -hmm. have that presence to uh, be magnetic and, and attract that attention to just, I love it. Yeah. Do you have a background in online marketing? I did a, I did a variety of things, uh, a mod podge of different things, which I think is both an advantage and a disadvantage. So I did, I did everything from telemarketing. I know I, I was the guy that called people <laughs> that annoyed people for a while. I didn't do that for very long, but it did give me a, it, so it went from telemarketing to designing online funnels and websites and stuff. It gave me, I felt like what it did was it gave me this perspective on a spectrum of, of what is effective and what's not. And uh, I think that was instrumental in helping me when I stepped into the YouTube space. Yeah. So you said you had an idea, you had a good feeling for what works and what didn't work. And then when, when you came across YouTube, was that when you saw like, Hey, actually YouTube can be a really good tool to build an online well, a, a virtual relationship with a big audience um, that could be stronger than blogging, for example, or I is, absolutely that, is think, that the opportunity that you saw? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And the more I do it, the more I see what you're really doing with the YouTube channel. And I'm, I'm saying this with I'm, the clients I have right now, the businesses I'm working with right now, I say what you're really doing, if you step back, is you're building an audience. Yeah. We think it's about the technicalities of building a channel and the algorithm and all those things. And those help. That's the language of YouTube. But really what you're doing is learning how to speak to an audience so that they want to listen. 
mm-hmm. and then offer things to that audience that they find valuable. Uh, because at its core, that's what you're doing with a YouTube channel. Yeah, so building an audience, right? That's, that's, sorry, I was a bit distracted with the, <laughs> with the, with the noise in the background. We can cut it out. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. You, you're talking about building an audience. Um, and of course, you can use blogging to build an audience. Uh, you can be big on Twitter, collect email addresses. So what was it about YouTube that... Because YouTube wasn't new when you got into it, right? Like, when did you get started in, with YouTube? Like, three years ago or something? Uh, three, three and a half years ago now. Yeah. YouTube was different because a few things. There's something about the multisensorial experience hmm. with, uh, having, uh, with a piece of media that makes it much more engaging. So on yeah. YouTube, I tell people this all the time. They liked an audience I think one of YouTube's greatest strengths was they built up this expectation for most channels that the barrier between you as an audience member and the creator of that content, the person that's delivering it, if they're on camera or whatever it may be, they like to feel like that barrier is paper thin, like you're sitting in the same room with them. Now, I get get there's a variety of different content types, but most of the time, that's the expectation. And so that combined with the visual, the auditory just that spending time with someone you talk about those studies where if you have multiple touch points with someone or if you're much more likely to trust someone if you spend an entire day with them like an Mm in-person event or something versus just a text message occasionally or things like that and what i've seen with youtube is that multi-sensorial experience combined with this paper thin barrier between you and the audience makes for an experience where audience members are able to and willing to trust much quicker yeah um so you take that then you combine that with the evergreen nature of youtube content people can go back and the algorithm can recommend your old videos so it's almost like it's an evergreen ongoing marketing funnel because the the algorithm is doing the work for you yeah. uh, the combination of those two things i found to be very effective do you think that youtube is the most powerful tool to build an online audience that actually trusts you i mean some people are really big on i don't know like TikTok, tiktok and instagram right and then we have youtube and we have we have podcasts uh, we also have newsletters we are we are we are pretty bullish on youtube just for the reason that you just mentioned right it's you can mm-hmm. see people it's visual it's long form you can go deep um it has an algorithm so it's great for discoverability is YouTube, YouTube your favorite or is there anything, is there any other platform that you want to mention? It's currently my favorite in terms of online social platforms. Yeah. So you saw that opportunity with YouTube. I guess you saw other people making it big on YouTube and then you wanted to become the expert, right? And nowadays, if people want to become an expert, they go to YouTube and they search for your videos. So how do you, how do you learn about YouTube? That's a good question. It was an interesting journey because at the beginning I set out to teach YouTube and I was painfully aware that I was not an expert in the traditional sense of expertise. (laughs) Uh, And so I thought it was actually a barrier. I had a hard time with that for a while because I was saying, here I'm teaching how to explode a YouTube channel and my own channel hasn't exploded. Like the, the channel I was working with hadn't exploded yet. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, I can't remember who I was listening to I apologize to them. I'm going to steal their concept here. I can't remember their name, but they said that I was watching them and they said, you know, there's different types of experts. There's the traditional, like yeah. when we think of experts, we think it's a 
experience expert, like someone that's done it. Someone, you know, a, a contractor has been doing this for 30 years. A lawyer has been in, in business for 20 years. We, that's traditionally what we think of as an expert. Yeah. Uh, and then there's results experts. They're the ones that, Hey, I made a million dollars in a month. Here's how you can too. You know, so they actually got some results. But then I realized there was another type of expert and that was a research expert, yeah. a person that has gone further than anyone else, even if they're still learning themselves, they can go further than everyone else. And that inherently gives you some level of expertise. So that's why I said about doing with this, I, I, um, I would watch a whole bunch of YouTube intros, or I would analyze a whole bunch of thumbnails or stuff like that to be able to say, well, look at the time, I'm I'm not an expert, but I see these things. I'm seeing these patterns. There's these recurring things happening. Therefore, these seem to be successful. And I, 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 cross look at it compared with the success of the videos and all of those things. Would you say that researching is your biggest strength? One of your biggest strengths? Actually, that's a a good question. I I don't know that I would say that. I feel pretty weak in my research game. I think I'm maybe a bit more stubborn than most people (laughs) when it comes to researching. And I'll say, I'll often, uh, my wife knows this, I'll often say, hon, I have an idea for a video. And I'll say, I want to do this and this and this. She'll say, how much time is that going to take? Uh, and so I'm, I'm often quite ambitious with that. But I actually think, Jan, uh, to answer your question, I think it's actually the, the strength I have is taking this exposure to a lot of research or experience and things and making it intuitive. Mm-hmm. So I think intuition is actually my strength. Mm. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you know, if you want to become an online expert or just an expert in general, like you don't have to be that hero, right? Like the, the person who's, who's done it, like world champion chess player starting a podcast or a YouTube channel on how to play chess, right? It's not the only way to do it. To do it, You can also just be the reporter. I guess that's what you did, right? You weren't really an expert. You didn't say, I think you're still not saying. Oh, well, I mean, nowadays you have enough credibility. You can, you can call yourself an expert. But at the beginning, you could just say, Hey, um, as Nate, I've, I've done all this research and here's what I found. Right. And then you just yeah. learn as you go. Just like when I started this podcast, like I didn't really know much about, I mean, of course, there was some foundation, but you kind of learn as you go. And, uh, yeah, I'm not really the one sharing all the golden advice. Yeah. The guests like yourself do that, right? I'm just a reporter. Is that a similar, is that the approach that you took? Yes. And I'm, I'm so glad you're also bringing that up from, from your own experience, Jan, uh, because I think the takeaway I would want for people watching or listening to this is it's, it's more accessible than you might think to get into something because let's say you're very interested in aviation, but you've never flown a plane that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't make a channel or, or something, uh, build an audience on aviation, or at least get started on it because there are other avenues. There's other ways to do it. And hopefully down the road, like you were talking about, Jan, you, you now Mm. are much more capable and and expert on this whole interview thing. And, and (laughs) you ask awesome, awesome questions. You're pulling stuff out of me that I didn't yeah. even know it was in there. <laughs> I, I think I think it's funny. Like my fun, my son, he goes to the uh, to the local football club here in the town where we live. And uh, like a few weeks ago, I was talking to one of the parents, and he asked me what I did for a living. And I said that we work with educational YouTube channels, and we help them build courses and funnels and everything. Um, he didn't really understand what it was, and then he was like, "All right," I gave him a few examples. And then he started asking me like, all right, so these guys are teaching things online and are selling courses. 
Um, do they have a degree then? Um, do they have some mm. kind of certification? Um, and I was thinking like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, it was a bit, I guess he was 10 years older than me, but nowadays, like, well, I'm living in a completely different world, right? If I want to learn something about YouTube, I talk to you. I've never asked you, <laughs> I've never asked you if you have any degree. Um, I guess the whole concept of, of social proof and, and, and trust had, has changed, right? Like back in the old days, it all, Absolutely. people, I mean, employers, clients, they would care about your, your degrees. And I think nowadays it's much more about social proof and, and track records, right? Um, anything you yeah. want to add to that? No, I think you nailed it. It's, it's funny. I hadn't thought of that. It hadn't even crossed my mind for a while to even think in that way, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's an era right now where different types of expertise, in, not in every area, niche or topic, but in many different types of expertise are outpacing the so-called degree or educational expertise. Yeah. I noticed that with some of the clients that we have worked with, they have big audiences, lots of social proof. And then when it comes to course creation, they're like, yeah, but... <laughs> You know, actually, um, I do not really have a background in this or I do not really have the, uh, I do not really have any diplomas. And then, you know, we, I asked them the questions that, man, but look at what you've done, like the work you've done over the past few years. You've interviewed all these people. You might not be the hero, right? Like the, the hero's journey, that hero. But there's also, you can also just be the reporter. Again, this is just another example. Um, so I guess just for those people out there who do have an online audience and who want to sell something, who don't feel competent enough, you know, think twice. Think about all those valuable experiences that you have. And um, if you already have a following and people are engaged with your content, that means that there is something there, right? So why not create a, a higher tier and ex more, like a more exclusive version of that? of that content, put it behind a paywall. Anyway, uh, Nate, let's talk about YouTube because that's what people want to, <laughs> that's what everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants <laughs> to, wants to get a million subscribers on their channel. Um, first of all, regular listeners to this podcast do know a thing or two about YouTube. Is there something that has changed over the last year? For example, last year, shorts were a big thing. This year, I mean, what, what's a big thing this year? I'm not even sure. Like, is there anything that has changed? Yeah, I mean, YouTube's been making a variety of like updates to the platform and et cetera, which is, which is good. That An interesting trend I'm seeing right now is it felt like the Mr. Beast-esque style of content was this unstoppable thing that was just going to take over the entirety of the platform. And it's by no means, I don't think it's slowing down or dying at this point. But an interesting thing is happening where I feel like, um, I can't remember the creator, it referred to it as the Mr. Beastification of YouTube. Have, mm. you, have you heard of that, Jan? I've, I've heard, yeah, uh, I've, heard, I've heard that word. Yeah, so uh, this concept that, that all the content is starting to look similar. Yeah, it's similar all becoming fonts, homogenized, right? Similar pacing. Yeah, yeah. And it's because it's being way engineered. Uh, but what I'm seeing right now is an interesting trend towards the opposite. Mm. So those large channels are going to continue to be very successful. And I think that's great. But I've seen a number of videos recently. In fact, just this morning, I, I wish I could remember his name here, but I watched a video of someone who was pointing out that he thought the direction of YouTube was potentially, if, if not going away from this Mr. Beastification style, it, but there was an upsurgence of more raw 
authentic OG or original YouTube content where all the filters are gone. It's not about the fast cuts and the fancy edits. It's about real people talking with real people again. Is it, is it something like this, like what we do now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely like this. Now, the interesting thing is I, I don't think that it's going to turn full scale. We're just all going to have conversations <laughs> because there's still going to be, you know, you got to package the video. You got to thumbnails and titles. You got to have interesting concepts or interesting things to talk about. But I'm seeing more and more uh, this trend towards authentic, real content. And frankly, I'm excited for it because mm -hmm. I think in many ways it's a lot of people are craving it. So I feel like a lot of people go to YouTube for that connection that I was talking about, that paper thin connection between you and, and that creator, that, that relationship, because a lot of times maybe we're not getting it in our regular life. And so even just a shred of feeling like this is a real person, you know, is very valuable to a lot of people. I think it's very interesting that you're bringing this up. I don't know if you've been following the discussion that we had recently in the, in the WhatsApp group that you're also in. Um, the discussion was basically about uh, one of our Inner Circle members uh, has a YouTube channel. It's still a small channel, but his, his videos were very uh, basic, basically presentation style. Like no editing, I think no editing at all, but the content was actually really good. Um, and then he was like, okay, um, I want to take YouTube seriously. So he hired a video editor, a video guy that came to his house, a bunch of videos, like really good video editing, visuals, fast background music, really good, really good editing. I was impressed. And then he started uploading that, that content. And then his fans were like, no, give me the old videos. It's too fast. Yeah. I can't concentrate. Too many distractions. And then the discussion that we had in the group was like, okay, we know that your current audience, they subscribed to you for the content that you created in the first place, like the, the boring, unedited content. But if you want to, uh, this is what I said, and you can, and maybe I'm wrong, but I said, yeah. well, that works for the, your current audience. But if you want to make it big on YouTube, you need to do something more. Like you need to have the, the flashy editing. And then somebody else in the group was like, no, this is completely, this is bullshit. Here, look at all these examples. And then he shared like video channels of just a guy standing in front of the camera talking for half an hour, no editing at all, catching ridiculous views on his videos. Um, very interesting discussion, by the way. Where, where are you in this? By the way, one mm. last thing. The reason I'm asking you this question is because, well, we're talking about it now, but also I saw, um, I saw that you have a video, like a video that you did a year ago or something. It was a long video. I think it was also presentation style. It was about mm -hmm. like the, the, if I were about to start YouTube from scratch, now, how would I do it? And you basically gave away the entire template. Maybe you remember the video. And that yeah, video got yeah. way more views than all the other videos that you, all the other faster paced videos that you uh, published around the same time. I know this was a very long introduction to the question, but where, <laughs> where, where are, where are you? Like, is it really just about, can we just create long form content and hope that it goes viral or where are you in the spectrum? Like how flashy should we try to? Yeah, that is, man, we could talk for hours <laughs> on that question, that single question. So, man, let me try to unpack this here. <laughs> Connection or having that relationship with an audience. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that if you approach it strategically and you're monetized well, nine out of 10 people could make a good living on YouTube with that, with, with a what? very raw, authentic mm. um, conversational style. I genuinely think that is true. Uh, now, given, give me individual niches and et cetera. And, you know, there's probably caveats and exceptions to that, but I genuinely think that. Now, with that said, 
I have seen an interesting thing happen here where authenticity or that raw, unedited style, it seems to have a cap in many cases, and it depends on the audience. But there seems to be a cap of amount of people that are those fans that just kind of want to watch all of those videos. Now, the cap is affected by the topic matter of the videos a lot. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the channel, but there's the channel Penguins Zero. Penguin Zero, I apologize if he watches this and I totally slaughtered his name, but he gets like 3 million views and it's just a guy sitting at his computer with basically a webcam recording, right? 3 million views no matter what he uploads. Uh, but he talks about really wide topics that are they're, they're controversial, they're kind of juicy, they're really interesting, there's that drama. And so he addresses it and he has this reputation for being a no BS type of person. So there's that. Then there's a person that maybe they have a more niche topic and they're just being that raw, authentic type of self. And they might they might have a cap, a smaller cap of amount of people or views that, that are interested in that. One of the ways I have seen to break through that cap has been more editing, more pacing and more focus on delivering in a very visually and editing pleasing way uh, seems to work to break so through. So would you suggest that? What's there anything else you're gonna say? It's an interesting dichotomy, I think, because with the example you're giving, when when the guy, the example in the thread, and I think I did read through that, uh, a guy hired a bunch of stuff and he went all polished and stuff. And the original fans were like, what, what is this? Like, this isn't us. It tends to shift to a broader audience when you start doing that type of thing, because it's more easily to, it's more easy to consume those videos that are more highly edited and polished and more visual. And, you know, there's things happening more often. It's that sugar. You increase the sugar content. So it's more uh, tasty. <laughs> to yeah, more audience yeah, members, yeah. right? Um, but that's with the trade-off, not always, but it does often come with a bit of a trade-off of people feel less connected with you as that content in general. So I'm, I'm thinking in the solutions here, right? So is the solution to yeah. do a mix of both fast-paced content, like shorter form, five to 10 minutes, and then also have some long presentation style videos without any fancy edits, like 30-minute presentation? Or is the solution um, to start off with the boring style and then as you grow and you reach that channel that's more, that, that's faster paid? Or I don't want to give you too many options here, but it was just something else. <laughs> <laughs> that, is there a solution or does this depend, depends on the niche? Does it depend on the end goal? What goes through your mind? Yeah, um, most, really a lot of it is customized to your, the audience, yourself first, and yeah. then the audience you want to attract. Yeah. So that does, it is affected by all of those things. Like if you, if you want an audience that's totally cool with watching 45 minute unedited videos, like there are plenty of channels that are extremely successful with that 30 minute unedited videos. Uh, and it can work, but I've also seen it work with eight minute unedited videos. If we're talking long form here, um, what I would say, my personal recommendation is what's the common, den I would ask someone if they're wondering what to do here, I would say, what's the common denominator in all of your videos? You, most of the time it's you, unless you're doing a completely faceless robot voice type of channel, it's you. And so anything you can do to make yourself more engaging and personable and real and personality and authentic will only benefit. So most of the time I recommend people work on, on that first because it's a common denominator. It's going to play through all the other stuff and it's going to make a more loyal audience and all of those things. So to answer your question of like, what, what would I do with that? Most of the time, I think there's actually a happy medium. There's a hybrid that most people can approach. And in fact, some of the masters at this game, 
I would equate them to musicians who become so good at what they're doing that they they can then start breaking the rules. Mm. You got to learn the rules first, but then you can break the rules. Some of the masters on YouTube that do this, they're extremely practiced on this. But then this this hybrid of like feeling authentic, but also making it very consumable. That's what I'm talking about here. Uh, they'll what they'll do is take that that expertise that they have and then break the rules so that it feels fresh and yeah. very authentic while still being easy to consume. That's why there was that trend. I, I, I haven't looked recently, but for a while there, I don't know if Jan, if you've seen a lot of those videos where they're like holding the the mic like this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, Hey, how's it going? You know, they'll hold the mic up to themselves. Yeah. That's why that's happening because yeah. this action of holding the mic up to themselves, it's, it's like breaking the professionalism barrier. It's like, Hey, let's have a real chat here. Let's talk right now. That's so, why they're doing it. And it's very effective. So are you saying that you can only break the rules once the actual content or once you're actually good at the thing that you talk about. I think so. Most somebody, of the time. When, when we had that discussion in a group, it was somebody else. This was Ari who said, he said, man, people are too often, too often people talk about the thumbnail and the video retention and, and the video idea. He said, but the one thing that actually really matters is not the packaging, but the product that's inside, AKA the content. I, I guess presentation is part of that, right? Isn't that an interesting angle? Like, because we always say like packaging is the most important thing, right? So the video idea, I guess that's not part of the packaging, but the, the editing and the thumbnail is. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like when you, when you go to the, um, uh, I don't know, when you buy a product, when you buy a, an iPhone, right? You, mm -hmm. you, can make, you can make the packaging great and maybe initially you sell more iPhones, but essentially the success of the iPhone depends more on the product than on the way it's presented, on the way that's packaged, right? Isn't it a bit like that with YouTube videos that it's actually people talking about all the flashy stuff, but actually it's about, it's about the content, the, pre the presentation. And then of course, if you also have good packaging, then that, that's how you're going to beat the competition then eventually. Do you agree with that? Anything to add to that? Yes. I think it's the experience. If I were to put a single word on it, it'd be the experience. What is the experience? If people are having a good experience, then that's the most important thing. It's like the, mm. the, the flavor of the, the, if we're talking in a food analogy here, it's the, it's the actual flavor. Do people enjoy that experience of that video? And then it's, it's a, in terms of scale, it's how, uh, how enjoyable can you make that experience? for more people and more people and more people. That's that's like the underlying game of content creation on YouTube is how do I make this experience enjoyable to more people? That's how you grow. So any practical takeaways here then for, for listeners? Is it just put in, put in enough wraps so that you become better at the thing that you talk about? I'm talking about educational YouTube channels here, right? Yeah, yeah. And then good packaging, meaning good thumbnail editing is something that can give you a little boost, but eventually your content will only go as viral as the quality of the actual <laughs> content. Yeah. And it, it can only go as viral as the amount of people that are interested in it. Yeah. All right. That's another cap. It, it's that. It's the quality. Plus there's a cap on just in general, the amount of people that are interested in underwater basket weaving or <laughs> whatever your topic is. Uh, there is that cap. There's a hard cap. The amount of people on YouTube, since we're talking on YouTube, uh, the amount of people on there that the algorithm can serve it up to that are actually going to watch that. Mm. Um, so as far as takeaways here, I think fundamentally I'd be probably one of the most valuable questions you could be asking yourself as you are producing a piece of content or as you're looking at your strategy as a whole on YouTube is how do I make this piece of content more 
interesting and a better experience for people? How do I make this a better experience for my audience? And you'll find that that question is universally applicable to a lot of like basically any niche. Like if you're an educational niche, you're, let's say you're teaching a language, how do you make this a better experience for the audience member? Well, from there, I'd go in and say, okay, well, what is a better experience for them? Well, probably easy to understand. Um, maybe more aha moments. They, the, the synapses in their brain are connecting. They're realizing, oh my goodness, that's how I pronounce that, or that's how that's how that grammar works, right? Uh, I'd be looking at maybe more visuals, just w- whatever it takes to make it easier to absorb and a yeah. more enjoyable experience. Hmm. In fact, that was one of the one of the more successful pieces of content I, I produced on a previous channel. Was it was a very similar that experience. I said, okay, um, how is everybody's teaching the YouTube algorithm. What would make this a better experience for people? What would make it easier to understand? I realized, I don't know if I've ever seen someone try to portray it visually. Yeah. yeah what I if like there's that. a way to portray it visually? Yeah. And from there, that's where the idea for that video came out and it, it keeps getting views and being very successful. Do you remember the, the title of the video? I think it's called How the YouTube Algorithm Works in 2023. So if that video performed so well, then why didn't you do more of those videos? Is it just because it was... It was a lot of work or other reasons? It was a lot of work. It was also, there was a few intersecting things that were successful with that video. It's, it's a broad topic. A lot of people were interested in it. A lot of people wanted it, you know, that type of thing. Uh, why didn't I do more? It was it was a lot of work. <laughs> I think that's, that's one of the things. Uh, but actually, ironically, is ironically the right word? Coincidentally, I just published a video yesterday as of recording this video where I did that same thing. I said, how could I show this visually? Because the question was, how do I pick winning video ideas or viral video ideas? And I, I, I put together a way to do it simply and visually. So you can see it, almost instantly you input a video idea and you know, yeah, this is one I should make or I should not make this. It's it's really fast. And I put together a visual and everything for that. It's funny you should you should ask that because I'm like, I am, Jan. <laughs> I just did it <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I didn't refresh my uh, newsfeed of YouTube, but uh, we'll check it out. Let's see if it's going to perform again. Yes, um, yes. So would you say that's, that that is one of the big discoveries that you or that we have observed over the last, let's say, 12 months that actually you don't have to edit your videos Mr. B style? Is there anything else? How important are shorts nowadays for starters? It was the way to grow from, I mean, many would argue that it, it was the growth, maybe still is the way to, to start from zero, right? Because that's how mm-hmm. you're going to get exposure quickly. Um, is it still as big as a thing as last year, two years ago? Uh, here's what I would say about shorts. Because again, we could do a whole interview yeah. about shorts alone. But here's what I'd say that the quick answer, if you're starting out and you're wanting to build on YouTube, I would say as best as you can think of your long-term game. What kind of audience do you want? Do you want them to be watching longer videos or short videos? And start with whichever one that is. Hmm. Uh, and because there's a whole skill set involved with making a good long form video and a whole skill set involved with making a good short video. Um, shorts tend to take uh, more of them in order to make money or uh, yeah. good money from them. Um, so in most cases, long form is a shorter path from my experience um, to making income. And so, yeah, that's what I'd be measuring it off of and just think I'm going to be pretty much this channel is going to be that it's going to it's going to be pretty much mostly shorts or mostly long form in perpetuity that's how I'd be looking at it all right okay um 
we got that out of the way. We went really deep there on that fast-paced editing style versus long, long-form videos without too much editing. That was really interesting. I have a few more difficult questions for you. I mean, I hope they are difficult questions because that's when we can go really deep, right? Um, let's say I have two questions. Let's, yeah, let's start with, with, with this one. Um, this is something else that I've been talking about with, with a few big YouTubers re- recently. How realistic is it for a big YouTuber with a personal brand to take a step away from the channel, bring another presenter in and still expect the same kind of growth or, uh, yeah, growth, I guess is a word. Is it realistic? Like, could you, do you think you could bring in other presenters and slowly transition over to a, a business brand from a personal brand to a business brand and at the same time keep that, keep that traction? Uh, yes, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, the, because way back at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about that concept of the connection between yeah. you and the audience member, paper thin, right? Mm. As soon as you put a different face on there, you're going to have an immediate drop off. That's nine times out of 10. Um, unless it's a purely search transactional type of channel where they don't really care who's presenting it. They just want the information. If that's the case, then it's much simpler because you just put someone else on there. Like it's, that's great. But for most YouTube channels where you have what I would call an ongoing audience, it's significantly more difficult. So usually what I would say in those cases is plan for a gradual transition, uh, bring the person on, um, in- introduce the new people, um, and do that more so that it becomes, the audience gets warmed up to the new people. Actually, a channel that I've seen that I feel like has done this pretty effectively is Good Mythical Morning. Have you watched no. that channel at all? So it's, you know, it's Rhett and Link. These guys, they've been on YouTube forever, right? And it's still Rhett and Link and they're still in most of the videos. But what they've started doing is gradually bringing in more and more team members so that it's um, people are expecting to 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 see more, and they're okay with it. Like it, you, would, I would almost think of them as characters that are being introduced to the audience, just like a TV show. If you're going to bring in a new person, you have to give them a backstory. You have to explain why the audience should care about them. You got to show um, the their uh, just their personality, all of those things, and you got to fit it into what's already being published. What kind of channel is that? What kind of content do they make? Uh, that one is like challenge. So they, they'll do like, we tried every Doritos flavor. Like they'll do a lot of food challenges or they'll try to, they'll taste, they'll have their kitchen, create dishes from around the world. And they'll try to guess where that dish is from. So kind of food challenge type of videos. Yeah. So if you compare that channel to your channel, then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that a, a big reason why you're, well, also the channel that you only started a few months ago. I mean, you already have, what, 30,000 30, subscribers. It's a new channel that you started, what, three months ago or something? Yeah, around there, you, three, four months ago. Yep. You're getting lots of views on on new videos. Now, obviously, you have been on YouTube for a while, so people recognize you, subscribed. Um, but I, I think that with an educational channel, so your channel, other educational channels where people teach something, I think that... Lots of subscribers subscribe because of the person. And most of the time, not just because of the person, but because of a certain X factor that that person has. It's like, 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 likeness. Is that a word? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah, likeness. Yeah, of a certain person. 
Do you think that this this channel that you just talked about also had that element, or was it more about the content, the challenges, the story, than about the X factor of the presenter? It was absolutely about the X factor of the presenter. Um, right. They they did interesting things in the video, and they continue to do interesting things in the video. But it was absolutely about that X factor of the mm -hmm. the presenter. Uh, you're absolutely right because in we'll talk the educational space here. Why are people going to watch your channel versus another channel? Yeah. Well, most of the time it's because they like your way of doing it yeah. better than the other channels. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually there's just something about you, your personality, your teaching style, the visuals you use. There's a lot of layers there, but it's yeah. usually something about those things yeah. that makes people choose you over other people. So would you be confident that you could step away from the channel, bring in other presenters? And over time, just keep that same amount of traction in your case. It would be tough, especially considering my channel is my name. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to change the channel name. I'd have to do a lot of things. Uh, I think that's, that's a good question. I haven't even thought about doing that. I think it could be done, but it represents a totally different type of channel because most channels, the perception is it's a person doing the thing. Even if there's a whole company behind that person or a whole company helping with it, most of the time people still think, yeah. even in this year, they still think it's the person yeah. doing it. Uh, so you'd have to address that. You'd also have to address bringing in this new person and giving them really good reasons, the audience really good reasons to trust this new person versus the old person, uh, which would probably take time. And if there's anything that I think would have been better uh, from me transitioning to the to my own channel would have been a longer transition away from the other channel. I think that would have been beneficial uh, because it would have allowed more time for the audience to get more warmed up to the to the pre to the new hosts. So can we say that it is more difficult for a so-called business brand with multiple with multiple presenters to grow a channel from scratch than for somebody like a personal brand somebody who's good looking has good presentation skills who's very who people like very likable now i forgot the beginning of my sentence but <laughs> would, would you say that 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 attractive character like that personal brand does have uh an advantage over the business brand and if if not always then when does that person have an advantage and when not? Because I think it also depends on, mind also depends on the niche, right? So any thoughts you have on that? Yes, I think most of the time a personal brand has an advantage, like uh, the perception at least, at the very least, of a single person has an advantage because of that paper thin barrier between you and the audience. Like they just like to feel this is a real person. That's you know, a real person doing this. Uh, it's especially an early channel advantage because people are more forgiving of just some random Joe Schmo in their garage trying, trying to make a channel. They're more forgiving of that. And most of the time, YouTube audiences are like that and they like to support people and stuff. Um, if you were to do more of the, well, I will say this, if your brand ever feels corporate, like it's a entity or an organization doing it, that's the death knell. Like you're, you are going to struggle perpetually on YouTube if it ever feels like that. So do not do that. I have never seen that be very successful. Oh, okay, okay. Exceptions are if it's a brand that's well-known enough outside of YouTube, 
then and you make really dang interesting content on YouTube, then it can work. I would use the brand Red Bull as an example. Uh, there's yeah. there are energy drinks here in the U.S. that are yeah. I don't know if they're worldwide, but they're yeah, these they're energy worldwide. drinks. They are worldwide. Okay, yeah. yeah. And they'll do videos where they'll have people doing crazy stunts and stuff. Their channel's doing great because it's about the stunts. Yeah. And they're just sponsoring it, right? Yeah. Um, but most of the time, I, I haven't been successful if it ever feels corporate. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, you, do you have any other or have you seen any other business brands that have YouTube channels that are, that are killing it? Other than Red Bull? I mean, Red Bull, it works because of the events, right? But do we also have a business brand that has, let's say, a service business, right? Let's say I have a marketing agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but how would like an agency, a boring business, how would they make a chance um, competing against personal brand marketers, the online marketing gurus? I know exactly how we would do that. Oh, yeah? Um, well, one, a expect, and actually I'm, I'm looking into working with a company. It's an international, um, uh, yeah, anyway, I probably shouldn't talk about it here. Um, <laughs> potentially I'm going to be doing that potentially, right? I'm not going to say anything else beyond that. <laughs> so, uh, what I do is there's a few angles here. So if you just, if you're like a brand and you just want to, let's say you have, um, makeup products, uh, and you want to do tutorial videos and you want to win search then great. You can do that. You can do transactional videos. Here's how to use this product of ours. That's great. Uh, you can do that and you can do just fine. There's plenty of channels that do that. Better would be to choose a host or a hostess um, to represent your brand and be a real person um, and be very transparent with it and say, look, I'm I'm working with this makeup brand uh, and but I'm so I'm, I'm I'm hired by them. That's great. But I'm also really enthusiastic about this. Like I'm a real person, I'm doing this stuff. They're letting me have free reign over my creativity. Like if you if you did that, um, people would just love you. <laughs> like yeah, it, it would work because it's it's sponsored or actually funded by the brand itself, and it could even have the brand's name in the title of the video or things like that. Um, but it's then it's about the individual or the individuals that that brand uses as the face of the channel. Have you, have you do you, do you know Uscreen? I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I've spoken with them. Yeah. So they have a YouTube channel as, as well, right? And I think it's doing pretty well. Like they have a few, I'm not sure. I think it's over 50,000 subscribers. And I think they're following that blueprint. They have a presenter. I think Daniel is his name. And, uh, you know, everybody knows that it's all about YouTube. But Daniel is very, he's very charismatic. Um, I guess his videos are useful and, and they are getting views. Maybe that, that could be an example of that, that format that yeah, you just sounds mentioned. sounds like it. Now, one issue, right? What if one day the person says, I found another job? Do we need to start from zero again? Or we just bring in another person and we hope that audience is going to like that person? Yeah, that's actually a very similar situation to me leaving the the place that I used to to work. It was very similar to that um, because I was the the so-called face of the channel for so long. Um, And it was, and like I mentioned earlier, I think... It could have been handled better um, by a more lengthy transition and things like that. I absolutely think that that would have helped. So so with that, it really is. It's a legitimate issue or um, a consideration to have if you have a brand and you and you you have someone that's the face of the brand. Um, well, there's a few things you could do. I'll use it like a, a TV anchor or something like that. Someone that's known as the face of this the show. Yeah. Um, usually it's in the best interest of that company behind that to 
treat that person really well, to to make sure they're happy in their job and et cetera, right? To, to make sure the communication is open and do all of those things, right? Usually that's in their best interest. But let's say that that person still said, I want to go somewhere else. Then at that point, we do what we've been discussing previously and we say, well, how, how are we going to transition it um, if that's possible? Or if not, yeah. you could do a clear, if it's not possible to do a longer term transition, what I would say at that point is say, all right, so this, this key element of our brand is leaving. What is the new brand going to be? Let's, let's buckle down and say, who, who's the new face and why are they going to be amazing? How are we going to introduce them? How are we going to build the audience trust? How are we going to do all of those things? How are we going to make it so that they are, they appear right out the gate like they belong, like they belong on camera, like they belong as the face of the brand? Yeah. I guess both strategies or both, um, both strategies have their advantages, right? So as a personal brand, it's easier to get traction. It's easier to stand out. But as a business brand, as a business, you're probably, I mean, if you have a profitable company, you're better funded than the average YouTuber that's just getting started. You actually have a product or some knowledge to, to talk about. Um, maybe you have a studio, maybe you have employees that, you know, they even record the days that they don't want to come out of bed, right? Um, unlike some, some, uh, vloggers or some, some individual YouTubers. Um, yeah, I, I think it was really interesting to discuss this, um, the difference between the two, the two strategies. One last thing before we wrap up, wrap up the interview. What, what do you do? What do you, do you just make money with, 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 with YouTube? Um, any ambition to sell courses? Do you do any consultation? How have you gone about building your own business on top of YouTube? Yeah. Um, so out the gate, I said, well, what's the easiest way I can, I can help people when I started out on my own and I did offer consultations and, uh, audits and they sold out extremely quickly. <laughs> I offered it in a video in tw about 26 hours. They were completely sold out. I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, so I did it again and it sold out quickly again. And so, uh, it's still something that's on the radar. What I found was with those conversations, I was able to find, um, companies that I, that wanted to work on an ongoing basis. And so I have uh, a variety of clients at this point where I'm, I'm doing kind of ongoing consulting and helping them build their brand on YouTube. Uh, and then from here, I'm, I'm all going for scale, man. I, I, <laughs> I want to. I want to be able to help more people and one-on-one -on -one time is great, but it was just one person at a time. Uh, and so I, I will potentially still do some one-on-one -on -one stuff in the future. But at this point, I'm looking at uh, programs, uh, things like that, as well as uh, just partnerships with especially companies that have a software or a tool that helps make um, content creation easier. I'm looking at those two things because, and actually I was just having a conversation with a guy th this morning uh, that his whole business was recommending tools for simplification and AI and, and all that and editing videos and stuff. And so we are having this conversation because how I look at it is for many creators, I use this restaurant analogy because I used to manage a restaurant. Starting a YouTube channel is like starting a restaurant, but you're the only employee <laughs> in the entire restaurant. So you have to source the ingredients, you have to make the sandwiches. You have to take the orders. You have to take the orders out to the people. You have to clean up. You have to all of those things. Uh, luckily, the costs aren't as high on YouTube starting out, but there's a lot of hats to wear. And so right now, uh, I'm looking to help people to simplify that a lot. By recommending software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By finding things that are that really help 
that that um, lessen the time that it takes to produce content and all of that. And that combined with programs in, in spaces of just presence and a connection with an audience, um, that's I think that's the direction I'm going. What are some of the tools that you use for your own YouTube videos without having received any uh, sponsorship fees? Um, right now, I it's like I'm starting into this world okay. of, of testing things. Yeah. So I think it's a little early to um, mention any of them at this point. Okay, so we're going to keep watching your channel and see what tools you, uh, you're going to come up with. Um, maybe one, one last thing, Nate, because the Creative Smarts podcast is all about building businesses, education businesses off YouTube. Is there anything interesting that you've spotted lately? Um, have you seen any YouTubers, educational channels launching original products or maybe physical products just to make sure that we, we're not missing out on something? Yeah, uh, I did. I worked with a, a client who was he, he was working in the aviation space and apparently flashcards, physical flashcards like um, yep. to learn things were big. And he had found he was recommending a company for a long time as an affiliate of yep. their things. And then I think something about that company, like they they, they went under or something like that. They, they weren't able to keep doing it. And he realized, why don't I just make my own? <laughs> Yeah. physical flashcards of all things you would think in this digital age it would all be about you know making an app or whatever um, but he said it's been doing very well for him it's just a way to brand something that was a lot of people wanted um and it worked yeah i think this is a great example first of all like this is one way to identify what you could potentially sell to your audience right you do affiliate marketing and then you try out different offers and then if there is one affiliate offer that outperforms the rest they can start thinking by yourself hey maybe i can create my own product right like a similar product um that's it looks like that's the strategy that the, the guy was following here another thing with something like this like if the product is really good and if there is a bigger demand in the markets for this kind of uh, product, you could actually grow this this flashcard brand in this case beyond beyond the YouTube channel, right? Which which I've seen. Have you heard about this YouTube channel, Epic Gar Epic Gardening? Epic Gardening. Um, Garden Gardening. Epic Gardening. Yeah, gardening. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, a, a channel about well gardening, right? But then he he created his own web shop, and that web shop where he's selling. I, I don't know. I think all kinds of tools you can use in the garden. And um, oh, I, I read how much his revenue was. I think it's all public, like huge numbers. Like you wouldn't mm. expect that a YouTuber with a million subscribers would be able to uh, generate so much revenue. But I guess it's because the product itself is so unique that it can actually grow beyond the YouTube channel. Um, wow. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Nate, for coming on again. If people... Want to learn more about you? They can go to YouTube, search for Nate Black. Yes. If they want a consultation, then unfortunately <laughs> they have to wait or where, where you're at. Yes, there is a, there is a wait list. <laughs> there is right a wait now. list. All right. Uh, yes, uh, I, you, can, you can join the wait list. Uh, it's, it's on my website, um, which you can find from the YouTube channel. It's on this radicalyt.com. All right. I'm going to put it in the description. Nate, thanks so much for coming on and uh, talk to you next time. All right, thank you, Jan. All right, that's it. That's the interview with Nate. If you like this episode, then please share it with a friend. We're not running any ads on this podcast. Um, we're not selling anything. We, we do sell things, but at least not here on the podcast. So please share it with a friend and help them out. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode.